Welcome into the Chris Collinsworth podcast starring Richard Sherman and George Shahuri will be along to uh, give us our favorite bets of the week coming up in just a bit, along with our friends from DraftKings, who's our primary sponsor and had a little fun. I was looking on DraftKings the other day. I, I was like, who would I take in all these situations? I'm, I'm too nervous. I couldn't do it. I, somehow I would get in trouble. I would say I had inside information. Something would go wrong. But, but for everybody else, it looks like fun. Like I was looking at all the different games and all the different ways you can play on DraftKings. I, I would be full-fledged. I would be every weekend. I would be out of control. So one day. What, one day. I, I'll take that up. But this is a fantastic show today. So we have Richard Sherman. We're starring Richard Sherman. I want to make sure I say that correctly, too. Uh, with some stories from the old Legion of Boom days. Of course, you know, we all know what those guys did. But you forget how remarkable the records of that group of people were. Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. I mean, they were just Richard was, I mean, just historic number one defense year after year after year. Amazing, amazing stuff. Um, we also got into the, I don't know, a little bit of controversy, I would think, with Tua Tonga Viola and the fact that he's going to be starting now, despite the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, has put together a couple of great wins for Miami, put them back in the playoff hunt. They're going to make the change. And uh, both of us had some pretty long theories on exactly why that may or may not be. Uh, the Jets at this point, I don't, I would never accuse anybody of tanking for Trevor, but they are at least in the pole position at this point and what that might mean for the New York Jets. And, and Richard talking about, is that what they should do? Or should they try and go big and get everybody else? Um, so that's an interesting discussion. <laughs> One of my favorite parts is listening to him talking about how do you tackle Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry is like a monster. He's stiff arming people to the ground. He's, he's throwing them out of the club. He's, he's been, it's been ridiculous. But maybe the best stories of all for this podcast come at the end when you're talking about high school football and Richard playing high school football in Compton against some of these rich schools that come in there and try and <laughs> try and knock them off their perch, and it just never happened. Those are some great, great stories. So anyway, great show today. Hope you enjoy it. It's all sponsored by DraftKings, and here we go. All right, here we go with King Richard Sherman, and uh, look at you, man. I, you guys win a big game, and now we get to have you sit in front of the 49ers logo and the official spot where the coaches are, and uh, this is big. We, our podcast has hit a new level here. Come on now, I just got to keep elevating. I can't I can't give you the same any week in a row, you know? <laughs> and if you actually get a chance to go play football again, God only knows, we'll be on a blimp. We, we don't Come know what well, you may catch me on the plane one time. <laughs> How you feeling, man? How you doing? I'm doing a lot better. You know, it's coming along. It's starting to starting to come together. So we're going to work our way and try to get back on this field as soon as possible. I, I tell you what, watching the guys the other night, amazing, right? The difference whenever you have you know, your at least semi-starters in, in the football game there. But uh, Jason Verrett has just been – I mean, everybody knew he could play when he was back in the day, but I mean, he looks like he's pretty much regained his 2015 form again. Exactly. I mean, that we saw it in training camp and 
you know, that's what was so unfortunate about last season is he never got a chance to really get his feet under him. You know, when you're coming off an injury, it takes a long time to to get through everything, to get through all the nooks and crannies, to just get back on the field. And then you just assume, hey, I'm just going to be moving like I normally move. And then you're not. And then you have to, like, like overcome that, you know. So there were hurdles that he had to overcome before he got here, before he got to where he is now. And, I man, it's just so – Man, you're just so excited and so happy to see that because of everything he's been through. You know, I mean, some of the most devastating injuries after injury after injury, then setback after setback, and you just want the best for him. And he's out there showing the world that he's an elite corner, you know, and he's he's probably going to end up with, with one of the lowest passer ratings in, in, you know, NFL history if he keeps playing the way he is. Seven. I've never even seen a passer rating of seven <laughs> before. I mean, so effectively, so the one thing that our guys have unearthed here with the PFF grades and all that kind of stuff, that if you're grade, if it's 39, you'd be better off as a quarterback throwing the ball in the dirt. To the ground every single time than trying to make a pass sort of like the old legion of boom days back then you just throw it in the dirt let's just get out of here alive let's not get humiliated here <laughs> right you, you know i i was going back and and um I, I was just taking a look at some of the legion of boom statistics these things are borderline mind-boggling what you guys were able to do back in the day it was uh basically from 11 to 17 right i mean those are those are kind of the years 81 starts with you and Cam and Earl together uh, was was what it was, the, the entirety of it. Um, that uh, 14 Pro Bowls, six first-team All-Pros between you guys combined, 64 interceptions, and you had 32 of them. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. When you just look back at the numbers of what that group did, uh, unbelievable I, uh, give me give me the thing you're most proud of of the legion of boom days uh i think i'm most proud of just just i mean the friendships honestly because you can't do that without being friends and really caring about what you do and, and having great players around you and 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 that's why when you hear arguments like like oh you know it's the it's it's another defense you know best defense of the decade it's not even close it's not even remotely close you know we we led the nfl in scoring defense four years in a row and, and up years and down years and you know what I mean our best year we you know I mean I had eight interceptions alone Earl had five you know I think I think I'm just proud of of the standard that we set um and and how we just kept elevating how we just kept pushing it pushing the envelope and everybody said you know everybody's like oh man trying to make excuses for why we were great and that was the that was the point that that you always get. Like it's like, oh, it's the pass rush, it's this, it's the coverage, it's the scheme. But then it's like every other. There's so many teams running the scheme, but they can't run it like this because it's the players. It's the because players. It's the guys in the scheme. It's the, it's the guys that that run the scheme that make the scheme work. And you know, I still haven't seen a a back to back eight year pick in any you know in, in the scheme of any year you know on any team. And so I'm just proud of the guys I was able to play with, the friendships we developed, and and being able to win. All right, I, I've got to ask you one one story out of that era, and then we'll move on to modern football here. But so I'm, 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 you know, I'm going on the internet and I'm looking up Legion of Boom and I'm doing all this kind of stuff. So naturally, some interviews with you pop up on this thing, and the one that was just fracturing me. I mean, I was every time I heard, I was like laughing harder. The you mad bro videos are some of the best of all time, and. Uh, from what I understand, of course, this is with Tom Brady, 2015, right? It was it was a regular season game, I think. No, this is 2012. Oh, was it 2012? Yeah, this oh is before. This is, this is my second year in the league. 
All right, you tell the story. It's fantastic. I love this story. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Um, so my rookie year, I started ten games. Um, my second year, but those ten games were a top ten defense. And then my second year, I was the starter from from day one, and you know we were starting off pretty pretty good. I, um, but we were relatively unknown, other than Earl. Earl was the first, you know what I mean? Sure. The, the first rounder and yep. um, the pro bowler, and you know has high expectations. But Cam's a fifth round pick. Um, Brandon Browner is a guy who came from the CFL, who's a relatively unknown, kind of got bounced out of the league. Um, big corner, but but you know they 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 you know don't know a lot about him. I'm a fifth round pick. That's you know, had a decent rookie year, but relatively unknown. And here comes Tom Brady to CenturyLink um, Field to play these relatively unknowns. And, you know, it's kind of a back and forth game. They get a they get a lead on us. We missed some big plays. Earl missed a pick. Um, um, but we're going back and forth with him. But Tom, Tom gets a lead on us. I think they're winning by 10 points, 14 to 24, maybe it, it, something like that. They're winning. And it's a break in action, you know, TV commercial break. And um, Tom's kind of standing halfway between his huddle and the sideline. And Earl takes this opportunity to kind of walk over to him and remind him like he got lucky, you know, because Earl really, I mean, he had a pick, he just dropped it. And so Earl says that. So we all walk over there, um, you know, just to hear what's going on. <laughs> and and I got a, I got the picture. It's a freaking, if anybody found, saw this picture and saw it, it's an iconic picture now. You know, it's Tom sit, standing by himself and then it's me, Earl, Bobby Wagner, and I think KJ Wright, you know, all kind of like surrounded him. And he's just kind of looking at us like, 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 who are you? Like, who are you guys? Like, and Earl's like, Earl's like, hey, I, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you today. Like, you're not going to get away with it again. And, and he's looking at us like, we're some little kids. Like, like, get out of here, you know, scoot along, um, check the <laughs> scoreboard, um, see me after the game, after I, I was, uh, like, like, he didn't say this, but it's, it, it, it gave the impression, like, he's like, see me after the game, I'll sign an autograph for you. So, you know, kind of like, <laughs> like, brushed us off. And for good reason, you know, this is my second year in the league, we're a bunch of nobodies, honestly. Bobby, Bobby Wagner, this is his rookie year. Um, Earl, this is his third year, but, you know, he's had one Pro Bowl, but he's pretty much the only known in our defense. So, fast forward, I intercept him. We come back. Sidney Rice catches catches the game winner, and I run up to him after the game because I'm petty in this way. I'm petty. I'm super petty, and and I'm like, oh, you were talking all that see you after the game stuff. So I'm here after the game. What's up? <laughs> like, you mad? <laughs> like like come on. You you don't want to talk about it anymore. And um, you know, he was gracious about it. He was cool. We laughed it all shook shook hands and and it was good. But uh, but that was that was hilarious. Oh, that is, it's one of the classics. And it really kind of set you apart. I mean, that was kind of the beginning of that, right? Because right. then the better you guys got, the louder it got out of the Legion of Boom. Because then it became very easy. Like, the other thing I remember is you constantly yawning. Like, oh, because <laughs> nobody was throwing your way, right? You were like, it was great. Every time we take a shot of you, you're like, oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> See, but this was before all the PFF, you know. There we go. I, you had no proof. You had to tell it yourself. That's I exactly right. I had to tell right. the story myself. And then, and then what it did was put a target on my back for a while, honestly. It put a target, huge target on my back because people didn't know who I was. And then you say that's Tom Brady. It's like like saying it to, like, you know, you can, cannot say it to anybody worse because all the fans just want to see you fail now. So The Pope. You're talking to the Pope then, man. That's it. That was it. Right. 
So people are literally watching. They 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 had never watched me before. Never watched our defense. They're literally watching to see me fail, and so that they could see me fail, and then they could say, "Look, look at this big mouth and fail." But I was an All Pro, so it was like you couldn't. You, you waited, waited, waited. Oh, and then you just kept making plays. Some of those things, championship games, the tip away interception, all that is all cool, all very cool. So we got we got big stuff this week, though, too. I mean, uh, there's so much to talk about. I feel like I've got to go on speed dial here. I got to get you back to rehab. I got to get you on the field. We got to we got to do the whole thing here. But uh, Jimmy G now going to play the Pats, like right? You right, go back, right? And, right. He, he doesn't get to play Tom, but. He gets to play pass. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got to be a little fired up for this one. And, and what a game plan you guys had for that one last week. I mean, just short ball control, get him out of the game alive. Aaron Donald, everybody said, oh, they're going to kill him. And they didn't. I mean, it was just, it was, a, that was a great win. That was a great win. Right, right. It was, it was great to see him. I mean, he was executing. He was, he was, I mean, he made some really tough throws. The throw in zero coverage um, to George for the touchdown. Yep. Um, you know, he did some things under duress that were really awesome. But but Kyle, you know, Kyle's the magician that that they think he is, you know, and he he finds a way to manipulate the defense in a way that he sees fit and still get to his outside zones, whether it's in the round screens, you know, he gets really creative with it. I tell you what, you guys came out loaded for bear in that uh, in that one. That was good. I, I just got finished watching some of the tape. I, I'm now John Gruden. I don't know how this happened to me, but because we're on the West Coast and I always take the red eye flights back, you know, just to get back and you get back in the middle of the night and all that kind of stuff. Every Tuesday now, I'm waking up at 2 a.m. I go to bed about 11. I wake up at 2 a.m. I'm like, what am I going to do? Just lay here? So I get up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. I'm studying like friggin' John Gruden. I'm studying the Tampa Bay game this past week against Green Bay. And I'm like, how in the world did Tampa's defense do that? So they're down 10 to nothing. And all of a sudden, they like blitz one slot. You know, they's like, okay, let's just give this a shot. Nothing else is working here. And they get a little pressure. It worked. So they blitz another time. They did not stop blitzing Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they had everybody under the sun coming from a different angle at a different time. And you go, man, this is Aaron Rodgers. He's going to light this stuff on fire. But sometimes it just doesn't work. They didn't score another point. They didn't. It was 10 to nothing and ended up whatever, 38 to 10 in that game. And it was so unexpected. But there's got to be certain times in a game when you just know as a defense, you got them, right? You, you got them. I, I, they've got nothing working here. Well, I think I, I think anytime uh, you know the offensive line is 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 feeling vulnerable, you know, and, and you're getting consistent pressure, you know, because Aaron's one of the best at diagnosing the pressure, understanding it, getting the ball out quick, and punishing you, you know. And then on top of that, like you like you stated in our previous episodes, his double count, you know, and and being able to to anticipate where the blitz is coming from and make you show, um, and then force the offsides and, and things like that. He really always backs you off. You know, and so to get in a rhythm like that and to be able to throw them like that off the way they did is is pretty special and pretty spectacular. And it's a rare, rare occurrence um, to do it against A-Rod. He's, he's one of the best at, at recognizing it. And, and then obviously Tom took advantage of it and, you know, all the weapons they have on offense. But um, I think, you know, you got to give um, Todd Bowles has always been an incredible coordinator. He's never got the credit he's deserved. Um, and he's dealing with, probably one of the more talented defenses, you know, underrated. You got Levante David, who's playing incredible. You still got Sue, who's who's being really productive in his system. Uh, the two corners on the outside are really underrated. You know, they're really great man-to-man -man corners. They have great technique. Um, there aren't many people who've played Devontae Adams better 
um, than they did on Sunday. And I think, you know, you put all those things together and you have a really, really cool, really, really good team. You know, you, that's, that's even without Tom and, and Mike Evans and, and Gronk and OJ Howard and, you know, and Godwin, uh, yeah, I, I don't even think they've got it put together yet on offense. I mean, they're still getting there. But this Devin White has taken – you know, it's like some guys you see, they, they take a big jump from year one to year two. Like he was just as fast last year, but he would overrun. He would do it. Devin White can play. And, and he's always got the tougher of the two man-to-man assignments because, you know, Todd, he's going to play a lot of man coverage out there. But he'll be the one that has the quick back, and, and Levante David will have the tight end or the fullback or whichever one of those guys. But really made an impression. I, 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 it'll, be a, it'll be really interesting for me to see whether or not they can come back when they blitzed that much and got away with it that much and now you're going to give the Raiders the full week to get ready for that. So do you come back with that again, or do you give them the change up and come back and play something else? I think I think that's the cool thing about, about he's put so much on tape that it's almost like he's been so aggressive that the offense has to prepare for the the unexpected. You know, I mean, when you're when you're dealing with top bowls, you you gotta you gotta. I mean, he could zero blitz you every third down if he wants to, or he could sit back and play an eight man zone. Um, and that's the kind of variety he has, but he also he also sticks to what he does when he does it. You know, if he's blitzing you, he's going to keep blitzing you. If he's running zone, he's going to keep running zone. He's not going to he's not going to switch it in the middle of the game and say, "Hey, we're going to put our," you know, because they didn't practice it, they didn't work it. Um, but I think um, I think that's the the change in the linebacker position is how athletic they are, how fast, how you got linebackers consistently running four 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 five. Now they're not they're not six four two two sixty two fifty um you know run stoppers anymore they're they're six six two six three six foot two twenty five two thirty and can run four four and still play the run game efficiently and I think that's one of the evolutions in the NFL as as the pass game you know becomes more predominant the linebackers are getting smaller and more athletic be almost like big safeties yeah Fred Warner Bobby Wagner you go right down the list with those guys for sure big news this week though big news this morning we're taping this on Tuesday for those of you who are keeping score at home. And this is the day the announcement came down. I first heard it from Adam Schefter. I'll give him credit for that. Um, is that Tua Tungavailola is now going to end up being the starting quarterback after the week seven bye for Miami. And I was like, okay. But I just got finished watching the tape of Ryan Fitzpatrick lighting the 49ers on fire, <laughs> coming back and playing really well. They put Tua in at the end of the game. And now he's the starter. Uh, you are, you know, salutatorian in your high school class. You're one of the great geniuses of the National Football League. Can you explain that to me, oh, great guru? <laughs> I, I, I wish I could. I, I don't understand what they're thinking. I, I don't understand what they're thinking at all. I think if you make this decision, it's almost as though you're saying we're not trying to win this season. Because, because what Ryan Fitzpatrick is giving you right now is, is his best football. You know, he has a great grasp of your system, has a great management of the game. He understands what – and he's he's playing well right now. He's playing really well. He's on fire now. If he if he had thrown three picks and, and made mistakes and, and didn't have your system and you just saw there was a situation where there was a natural occurrence like what happened in, in L.A. with Herbert and he just naturally, you know, Tyrod was out. He, he had an opportunity. He took it by the reins and he just – kept playing well then then okay that's organic that's natural but when you kind of force it it kind of puts a lot of pressure on Tua because 
if the team loses two in a row and you're about to play a good Rams team with 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 a great D-line and they'll put a lot of pressure on him just with four, you put a lot of pressure on him. If they lose two in a row, then people start to say, hey, you made a mistake. It's this kid's fault. And it's not. It's not his fault. It's not a situation you want to put a rookie quarterback in where you're saying, hey, we're on a winning streak. And if we lose, the only thing that changes changed was you. The only change was we changed the quarterback. Yeah, how good would he have had to look in practice? I mean, I, I don't know what the win streak is. I watched them win two in a row, so I don't know how many in a row they've won. But, um, I, but you know, there are certain guys, and, and you've seen them and I've seen them, that, you know, here they are, they're in practice, nobody knows about them, but everybody on the team knows that guy's got it, right? That guy's got it, and we got to get him in the football game. Is it possible that he was just so good that they had to put him in? Or maybe that his hip, you know, was the issue coming out. Maybe now he's running full speed. I, I don't know. It just it seems like a, a you know, the, the bye week gives him a chance, two weeks of practice before the first start. It all makes sense. It almost seems like it was preordained that this was the week they were going to make the move. Yeah, and that's that's what I that's the part that I like the least. Yeah. It's because that isn't that isn't football. That isn't good football. That isn't how things should be. Now, if the kid outplayed him during training camp and did all this, then then fine. Okay, we we got it. You you beat him out. But the starting quarterback throughout the week gets all the reps. So Ryan Fitzpatrick had to get all the starting reps. So Tua was literally running cards, or if he wasn't running cards, then he wasn't. He was just taking backup reps. So I don't even think there was an opportunity for him to look that good, look good enough to beat someone out in a, in a week of practice because he's just getting scout team reps. So he's looking at a card, dropping back, throwing it to the guy who circled. So if you're telling me you watched film of him running cards and that was good enough for you to, to take out a quarterback who's won you two in a row, you're averaging, I don't know how many points a game, but you're playing really well. They, they, they really fought Seattle down to the wire before that. Um, very much in the playoff hunt. They're very much you're in, in the, the playoff, playoff hunt. hunt. Yep. And, and if you make this decision and you and you lose and it blows up in your face, like you you have put the quarterback, you have put the kid in a in an unwinnable position. Like if they were coming off losses, it'd be much easier to say, hey, let's transition to to Tua. If you're coming off two losses in a row, hey, let's transition. There's no pressure on him. If he wins, we win. If he loses, hey, you know we're growing. But while while they're winning, you put so much pressure on him because if you lose, even though you may you know you may just not have a good enough team, you may not have a good enough scheme. The Rams may just be better, but you're putting the pressure that it's his fault. Yeah, and, and you know the the thing that that people the reason coaches hate quarterback changes and quarterback controversies is because you know if you've got two right guards and you can't decide between them the locker room is not going to split over that, right? If you have two inside linebackers, because I don't know enough about, I haven't seen every snap of their practice over on that side of the ball, so the locker room's not going to split. At quarterback, I trust the opinion of my mother when you're talking about quarterbacks because everybody watches them on every single play. So everybody in that locker room now is going, uh, I'm on Team Tua. Oh, I'm on Team Ryan. And, and Ryan is one of those guys 
that the players in the locker room love. They love that guy. He's such a free spirit. He just doesn't care. He looks like he's he went to Vegas and he's got a million dollars that he won and he's playing on house money and he just doesn't care, right? And right. you love those guys. And he runs the ball. He dives head first for a first down. He does all that kind of stuff. How how difficult will that be added on? It will that 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 will be the most difficult part of the whole ordeal. It, and that's the pressure I'm talking about because you're putting the burden of not only the team's expectation, but the inner locker room pressure, the whispers that like, what are we doing? Like, okay, this guy's the future. Understood. You drafted him number five, the future, but there's an, there's an understanding. There's a competitive understanding in football. Like, Hey, the best man plays. And if you put him out there week one, you thought he was the best man. He's lost some games. He's won some games. But after he's won a couple, then it's not the the pure, you know, pure football competitiveness where you're saying, hey, he just got beat out. You're saying we're making an, a subjective decision that we think is right and we're going with it. And that's where, where things get, because if you lose, you can lose the locker room. Mm, it, it is interesting. It is interesting. So uh, just looking forward just a little bit here, um, let me see if this phrase sounds familiar. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, Clemson. Clemson. Uh, it looks like a lock at this point, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, it it does, It, but you just never know how they feel about Sam Darnold because they literally just did that. You know, they just did that. And what are you going to do? Are you going to take two? What, what was Sam Darnold drafted? Third, Three, third, I think. So you're going to take two top three picks on quarterbacks in the last what three years, and that's how you're going to take your 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 franchise to prominence? Yes, like, I just yes, I can, I can hear you. It sounds great. Have but, you, but have, you have you seen Trevor play? Have you watched him play? I watched. Oh, him, unbelievable! I, I watched him this past weekend, and I was like, because I I, can't, I just don't have time because it's like you know we're all getting ready for our games and doing all that kind of stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch this kid play a little bit. Uh, he's something now. I, you know, I, I know they're winning blowouts and, you know, they can throw it whenever they want and they have great athletes like Alabama on the outside and all that kind of stuff. But this sucker looks like a player now. He looks like oh, a player. But, but it's like that, that's where the, the, the interesting GM decisions come in. Yeah. Because do you, do you trust your gut and say, we made the right decision with Sam Darnold and we just haven't given him enough? to show and so we trade that pick for a for a haul of picks and a haul of players that that make your team better immediately or do you say we made a mistake and we're going quarterback again number one pick because we think this is the generational player that we missed and that's 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 what gets gms fired and hired those decisions like because either way he's wrong oh for sure if, if he can you imagine in New York? I'm just trying to picture this. In New York, they've got the first pick in the draft. Trevor Lawrence is sitting there, and they trade that pick away. I, the whole city might melt. <laughs> I mean, the whole there would be nothing on the back page of those newspapers for the next six months after that. That would be it. Right. That would be the story. They'd have it all done. Right, right. But but it's but then you say you draft Trevor Lawrence, and his backup is Sam Darnold. 
Oh, I trade Sam. <laughs> I got no problem trading Sam. He, he's fine. You know, he's he's still so young. I mean, Sam right. Darnold, he's, he's a baby. He's like, so who knows? Maybe he'll go to Dallas as the backup. Who knows? How about them Cowboys anyway? I, I'm, I'm out to dinner last night. I got the game recorded. And I said, oh, I just come back and I catch the end of the first half. I flip on the television. I was what the heck? I mean, it is just unbelievable with that division right now. Somebody is going to the playoffs out of that division, and their wins are likely to only be coming from other teams within that division. Right. I mean, it's it, but it, it was like that last year. And everybody said, oh, well, this year it's going to be better. What got better? What changed? Like, it's not a lack of talent in Dallas. They have all the talent in the world. They have literally some – they have had some of the most talented teams in this league year after year after year, and I don't know what the the, the formula – what what what's missing. You know, I don't know. I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in that front office. So you don't understand what the, what secret sauce is missing because talent isn't missing. Yeah. you got one of the best running backs in the game. You've had the best offensive line for the pretty much the decade. You've, you've had a quarterback who could play – You've had talented receivers. Your defense has talented pass rushers. Your linebackers have played really well. I mean, have, haven't played great this year and been kind of beat up, but um, over the course of the last few years, they played well. So it's like, what's the problem? Where is the problem? Where's the issue? And that's what's so crazy about about what's happening with Dallas. Like with Philadelphia, you have a ton of injuries. You know, you lose the quarterback. You lose their top receivers. They're freaking out there with with the guy they got off the streets. And, and he's playing well. And, and you know, Zach has been beat up. Their O-line has been beat up. So you lost your left tackle, and then you lost your backup left tackle. So you can kind of understand that. Washington's going through transition. Um, the, the Giants are going through transition. Young quarterback. But with with Dallas, it just doesn't make as much sense. You lo- lost Dak, but you still have a veteran quarterback. Dak was throwing for four, 450, 400 a game. So maybe Andy only throws for 350. But – Nobody could have could have predicted the performance that they got the other night. You know, it, it's interesting with Ezekiel Elliott. Everybody said, "All right, they're just going to turn this game over to them." But no Travis Frederick, no Lyle Collins, uh, no Tyron Smith anymore. You know, and all of a sudden, you expect Dallas to just be able to run it anytime they want to run it. But that really isn't the case. They have great hood ornaments right now, right? The hood ornaments all look good, <laughs> receivers and all that kind of stuff. But the the machine, the engine is is not quite what it once was. So, the, you know, the other thing I was going to ask you about this week was uh, just the the return of Gronkowski. Now, I mean, here's a guy that for all those years in New England, it was I don't know what it is on the inside. From the outside looking in, it's like okay, you're not allowed to have a whole lot of fun, right? You know, that's that's sort of the rules. You're going to win championships. You're going to get a ring. But this is serious business from the minute you walk in the door here and you're going to do it. And then there's Gronk, who is the great outlier in the middle of this of this sea, right? Just doing his thing. Like, no matter what, he was just doing his thing. And to just get him back on the field again and watch him making a few plays again was kind of fun. It, it, it's really fun, and it's a it's a great story because people don't understand how hard it is to be out of the game for a year and then come back. You know that's that's why he's kind of probably beat up, but it's cool to just see that connection. Him and Tom have have a really unique and really phenomenal chemistry, and it's cool to see. And I and I really I really don't think you're going to see it as much in the in the regular season, but in the playoffs, it'll be the difference maker. I think you're right. The, the other one I was going to ask you: Have you ever had to tackle Derrick Henry? I have. He, he never yeah. got you with a stiff arm, did he? 
No, he didn't catch me with a stiff arm. He did, definitely didn't catch me with a stiff arm that threw me across the field. And I mean, you but, almost have to rope a dope coming in to try and tackle the guy, right? You got to like bob and weave a little bit to try and not not be no, that guy. Gotta, you just got to commit. You got to do the opposite. You can't play. You can't play the game with him. You can't line him up and say, hey, I'm going to punch at the ball. I'm going to knock his hand down. You got to full speed, no hesitation, hit him in his thigh board and, and don't stop. Don't stop running. Run, run your feet. And even then, once you wrap up, even then, he may run through it. Hold on, baby. Right. Hold on for, <laughs> for your life. Because, but if you go there and you're and you're timid and you're like, hey, I'm going to punch the ball. I'm going to line him up. I'm going to dance with him. It's over. He's too big. He's too strong. So un unless you freaking run full speed, commit early, and, and take your shot, it's going to be tough tackling. You know, there are so many things that people don't think about. Like everybody, when I talk to receivers now about the rules, and of course you guys can't hit them in the head anymore, right? So what do you do? I mean, more often than not, guys will, will go down and chop their legs out. I would too. I'm not going to take a chance on hitting a guy in the head because if he lowers his head and I hit him in the head, that's $50,000 or whatever it is. But I have yet to talk to a single receiver yet that didn't tell me, I said, all right, if you could make a rule tomorrow, you can hit me in the head or you can hit me in the knees, but I can outlaw one or the other. 100% said, if you could take away their ability to hit me in the knees, I would take that. All right. Because that's 100%. their livelihood, right? That's I, their livelihood. That's their livelihood. Right. And, that, and, and, and what's crazy is they've had conversations about doing that. Those conversations didn't go very far, but the fact that the conversations happened – like imagine saying telling a defense player you can't hit them high and you can't hit them low that's about all they have left to take away from you right right <laughs> but that, but they're having discussions to take that you know and oh that's, for sure it's it's it and i understand what the receivers are saying because you never want to hurt anybody even even when you're doing it you're full speed and you see a guy put a foot in the ground you almost hesitate for a second because you're like get your foot out the ground so i can hit you like you don't want to but if it's a bang bang situation and, and it's you know, to save a touchdown or to save a first down or game on the line, you can't, I can't hesitate then. But if it's not one of those situations, there are times where you see a guy's knee in the ground, and you're like, get your, get your leg out the ground. Like, it's not like you pulling up and you're stopping, but it's like you don't push as hard as you could have until you see his foot out the ground, then, at least for me. And then I chop down and because it, it just, to feel that I felt it before when you feel a crack or, or a tear or something in your body and you, and you injured a guy and you, you mess with his, livelihood and its well-being when it's an unnecessary play you know it's freaking it would have been a two-yard gain had you waited a half a second now it's a a one-yard gain you know was that worth tearing a guy's knee but sometimes when it's in the middle of the field and it's a bang bang it's a post and it's a safety they can't make that decision they can't make the hesitation play and give a guy a chance every week i i send you a text and i say all right what do you have this week what do you, what do you want to do what do you want to talk about this week and this week you sent back what? High school. High school, high school football. Here we go. I love talking about your high school days anyway. They're fantastic. Yeah, so so give me a little bit of the purest form of football, high school football. And all of us have a million stories. It's the first time that, for the most part, any girl ever looked at any of us because <laughs> we had a football uniform on. Certainly was my case. And uh, what, what do you remember most about it? Just it, it was fun. I mean, we're we're in the we're in Compton. You know, it's 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 a tough part of LA, and 
when you get in the playoffs, it's different, you know, because it's a coin flip to see who's home and away. It's not best record or or who won the most games or anything. It's just a coin flip. If, if it's heads and we call heads, you got to come to us. If it's tails and you got the call and you win it, we got to go to you. And so for two years in a row, um, my well, my junior year, Palace Verdes Peninsula. Palace Verdes is a very, very affluent, expensive oh, yeah. part of L.A. You know Palace Verdes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they had to come to Compton to play us. And so in, in that year, we were, we were like our locker room was under construction. So we literally were working out of two storage bins, one for our weight room equipment, one for our shoulder pads, <laughs> helmets, and all that. So there was no locker room. We literally would get our pads, get dressed outside, go to practice every day. I bet they had no fans in the stands. Oh, no, oh. <laughs> they had they they did though. They did just they? kept them away from our fans, and they had police escorts, and they had a, a a huge security detail. But they had to walk past us, getting dressed outside. Like like, have you ever? I mean, you can't imagine that. Just imagine a high school team. They they have their bags, they have their button up shirts. Like they're private school. They're you know well funded, and some guys are getting dressed outside, gritty and grimy. And you're walking past them saying, we have to play them to go to the championship? <laughs> they had to play us to go to the championship. And Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll's son, Nate Carroll, who's a coach in Seattle now, was on that team. And so Pete was obviously at the game. You know, he's at L.A. He's at SC at the time. And they didn't score a point in that game. They didn't score a point. And Pete's – I'm playing cornerback. And Pete's yelling because he's saying I'm holding every play because uh, uh, his son's playing. And I'm really trying to dominate his son because Pete's at the game, you know? <laughs> you Absolutely. Go and so it was just hilarious. It was a cool experience. We end up winning and going to the championship. Um, my senior year, we end up winning a championship at the old Charger Stadium, the Home Depot Center, um, uh, which is crazy. <clears throat> we had – so I, I was a quarterback. And, but before I was the quarterback, I was the safety. So my sophomore year, I'm I'm the safety, and it was it was like stealing. It, it'd be like you back there playing high school safety. I mean, I'm just I'm picking off everything, right? Right. And then we were in practice one day, and we had a, a Division One fullback, and they ran a flipping trap right up the middle, and we're we're live. I got to go. I I will never forget those two seconds running up there. And all I'm thinking is, please cut, please cut, please cut, please cut. Nope, right over. I mean, right. I, I wake up on the sideline after that, and I'm oh. like, what? I, I mean, I can remember that like it was yesterday. I I could cover. You could send anything you want down the field. I'll never forget this fullback trap right up the middle of the field. And I was like, oh, the guy almost killed me. The other thing I loved about high school football was tearaway jerseys. Because, you know, back then, you know, you're a kid and you, you've got some abs. You don't even have to do sit-ups. You've got abs, right? My, right? my mom has a picture of when I was playing quarterback and they ripped off my jersey. So I come over to get a new jersey and whatever. But that's the greatest picture I ever had. In my, <laughs> I love that picture. I, anybody who comes through the house, I, I, hold on. Before you get anything, to, you got to come see my picture over here. You got you to see my abs. This is unbelievable over here. Uh, See, but but high school football, you could play both sides. So I played receiver, I played corner, um, but we played a wing T my junior year, wing T. So I'm playing tight end at 130 pounds, soaking wet, <laughs> and we're running a wing T, tight wing T. 
And I caught a few passes. I caught some touchdowns. I was pretty dynamic. We we went to the championship. But I worked so hard that offseason because I was like, I am never putting my hand in the ground ever again in life. So by the time I came back, I was like a ranked receiver, like went to all these camps, played well, performed well. So we'd literally run the wing tee and I'd be split out wide by myself. I averaged 30 yards to catch. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know how many positions you can say that you did, but I I started as I was 119 pounds in a 120 pounds league. I was, I was a man in this league. I'll never forget it, but they had me play an offensive guard and, and defensive end. Right. And so we're sitting there and I was new to town. I just got into town. And, you know, the coach's kid was the quarterback and the other, you know, you know how it works. It's it's the whole thing. So we we come out there. And so when it came to wind sprints, I'm like, I am never letting one person ever beat me ever in a wind sprint. So I'm going to make a case. As soon as somebody gets hurt, you know, eventually you get a chance to touch the ball. And I got the ball in my hands one time. They let me play at the end of a game or whatever. I, I said I was like I was like Gronkowski or or you know George Kittle or what. There's nothing anybody on this field could do to get me on the ground because otherwise I gotta go back to guard. I am never going. <laughs> I am never going there again. Never. Um, oh, you never look back. Oh, there was no way. But I did. I, I played offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, cornerback, safety, tight end, wide receiver, running back, quarterback. I was the holder, I was the place kicker, I was the punter. I literally have done every position on the field at wow. one time or another. Wow. I wasn't very good at many of them, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I did them. I did them. Unbelievable. I held, I held for all of one game because I could not I could not overcome the urge to just pick the ball up and go run into the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what better than that even. So I'm, I'm at training camp. So the holder in, in – professional football is the worst job on earth you got to go out before practice you got to stay late after practice there's no glory in being the holder all you can do is screw it up like north dallas 40 i don't know if you ever saw that movie but you know all you can do is drop it and screw it up and and be the go to the game that that is all that is a possibility so they're having holder tryout so i'm a rookie kenny anderson's the veteran kenny goes watch this so he comes out there three balls right through his hands. They're like, all right, Anderson, get out of here. And he goes, don't put this thing on the tee. You're going to be the holder. I'm telling you right now. So I came out there and I'm, I'm, I, I kind of bobble the first one, the next one. So they still didn't throw me out. And then I dropped one. And then the third one I spun, you know, you got to spin the laces. I spun it off my finger he almost he was laughing so hard i'll never forget he was like you're better than i was that's the greatest i've ever seen you got to put together a teaching video on (laughs) 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 Uh, unbelievable Uh, you're the best my man we will see you again next week get well we want to watch you play some football again i can't wait to get out there i appreciate you see you next week all right buddy all right, here we go with my gambling guru, George Shahari. He is the mathematician extraordinaire. How you ever ended up here, I have no idea, but you're you're, you're the man. You're, you're the man. Now. We don't have time for that story, to be honest. <laughs> so we got week seven, PFF preview presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, and uh, it's pretty good. We're on to Big Ten football now, right? This is kind of exciting. The whole college football thing is starting to come on. We got one of the best 
games in the NFL coming up this weekend. We've got some just great matchups across the board. Uh, they have DraftKings Sportsbook, their top-rated sportsbook app. And I know you went out of town this weekend, right? Oh, no. Allegedly for a oh, wedding, no. but I think you went into Indiana to make your bets again because you got you get nervous here, don't you? Look, here's the thing. I will say this: there are no direct flights back from California, so I had to stop somewhere. <laughs> Probably in Vegas. <laughs> all right. All I know is it's promo code PFF, right? Yes. I know that much. Now, what's the deal? All right. It's it's pretty simple. It's promo code PFF. You want to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I can vouch. That it is very good and easy to use. Yeah, I'm um, telling you, I used it. I did. I used it some. So uh, once you go there and use the promo code PFF, you sign up. You get um, a sign up bonus of up to one thousand dollars with that promo code. It's pretty solid. Um, so depending on you know, you may not be a so three thousand dollars to start your exactly. your journey. Exactly. Wow. So it's a nice you know it's a nice little incentive. You know wow. they get you in and um, you get a chance to play. And if you keep playing. You get to use another thousand dollars, which is pretty sweet. Um, and uh, it's only for a limited time, though. So you want to make sure you go get that in, make that happen. Start. It's week seven already, so running out of time. Yeah, like I can't believe it's week seven. To be honest with you, all the PFF expertise we're about to lay on people, and oh, it'd be yeah. a total waste to not take advantage, right? Exactly. You pair that with a PFF subscription, you're in good shape. <laughs> there we um, go. So yeah, it's the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You've got to be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. You know the deal. Uh, the bonus is comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each are up to $500. The deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Restrictions, they do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook to read about those. And if you have a gambling problem, remember, 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, it's 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now, just stop gambling. We got a problem. Just stop. We got that covered. Uh, Steve and Sam were giving you uh, some heat about the disclaimer voice that you were using the other They're day. jealous. <laughs> you know, jack of all trades. I can do it all. I get it. So we got we have we have podcasts everywhere here. Yeah. If you haven't tuned in, this is this is like a, I'm a beginner podcaster. We have our experts. We have Steve and Sam with the NFL podcast. They've been doing it for generations. Yeah, we got uh, you and Eric. You're mm -hmm. doing the, uh, the PFF forecast and all the the gambling analytics. Oh, yeah. You're both mathematicians. Eric used to teach upper level math. Eric, Eric was a math professor, and now he's just a political commentator who got, who gambles on the side. Uh, it's it, Timo now has uh, MIT papers that yes. are being in contest. We, we, it's unbelievable the group we've got around here. Uh, Mike and Austin, the the two for one uh, drafts. Yep. Drafts. We've got the daily betting forecast. We have the fantasy football with Ian Harditz. Mm -hmm. We got everything going on here. So you it, once you come it. to PFF, you never need to leave. Yeah, don't touch that dial. Just stay right here. I, I got to tell you this. I recorded the daily betting podcast. I'm on it twice a week, and I do the one on Monday night, and we recorded during the Cowboys. And as we talked about last week, we like the Cowboys. Yeah, we messed that one up. And uh, I'm never – I was – first off, I was livid. So I did everything I could to keep it under control. I'm never betting on Andy Dalton again. Just never do it. Yeah, but but you being livid is not exactly breaking news. True, that's, that's that's, there's nothing. There's nothing and, new until about this that. week when I bet on him against who are they playing. The, but we the had like world record team? day in college football last week, mm -hmm. right? Like if you, massive. Yeah, it's college football is a wide open expanse. It's like player props too is something. I I'll t I got another story for you. All right. Okay, so you're calling the game on Sunday. I had just taken a red eye flight home. Yeah, I'm very tired. It's Sunday night, working all day. And I'm trying to stay up. I've got coffee. I'm like, how am I going to get myself pumped for this game? So 
here's what I did. I bet on Jimmy G not to throw an interception. Wow. Because I figured if there was one thing that was going to keep me excited for that game and on my toes, <laughs> it would be praying to God that Jimmy G didn't throw into the other team. There were a couple of close ones there. I wasn't sure he was going to throw one past the line of scrimmage for a little I while. I, I love it, though. I had So during the game, and you sent me a text, and, and he hasn't thrown one past the line of scrimmage or something like yeah. that. So you know me. I just paraphrase everything. I was like, he hasn't thrown one. And of course, he threw one two yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Kittle, and and yeah. there was something else. You know, there's always an exception to the rule. Man, my phone's lighting up. People are getting mad. Everybody, I was like, I go, just relax. So a lot of times I actually do try to uh, correct it. But I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm right, not correcting it. I don't care. I don't care. All right, so we have good games this week. We do. We really do. We have uh, San Francisco at New England. So Jimmy G on the better, not great ankle. Mm -hmm. like trying to keep his back foot on the ground, not lift it off the ground, all the different things we talked about uh, going into New England. But some of the PFF numbers are a little strange on this game. I mean, uh, in, in a clean pocket, Jimmy G has a quarterback rating of 60.5, which is last, and Cam Newton is 74. Now, the reason that these numbers are significant is what? Tell me about yeah. a clean pocket. Clean pocket's the most consistent part of quarterback play. So when Jimmy G has the lowest PFF grade from a clean pocket, you go, oh, that scares me. Why? Because in an ideal world, you need him to execute from a clean pocket. Those are the things you can control, right? You know hey, I'm not under pressure. I know this route's going to, this is my progression. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to throw it. So it's the most predictable thing. Exactly. Pressure, yeah. when you're under pressure, it's like you're running around. You have no idea what's going to happen. You get lucky, you get unlucky. It's a small sample thing. Um, so that's that's worrisome. I, here's what I wanted to ask you on this game, though. Yeah. It's So it's New England Patriots are a two-point favorite on DraftKings Sportsbook. It was before the games on Sunday. They were a five-and-a-half-point favorite. This line has moved a ton. People are reacting to San Francisco looking really good mm -hmm. on Sunday night and New England looking really bad and losing to Drew Locke. And I always try not to overreact to that last game and look ahead to the next. So now I'm looking to Jimmy G, not first the Rams, but first Bill Belichick. That's a whole different can of worms, right? It is. And I'll tell you, and I said this last week about the, the 49ers, be careful with a team that's a good team that got humiliated. So the 49ers the week before, Ryan Fitzpatrick humiliated them because they had one cornerback who just came off the street. Mm -hmm. They put in there and they hit five bombs against them, right? Yep. So they end up getting blown out in the game. And I'm always like, just be careful. So now you got New England, who's had to endure a full week of Belichick not being in a good mood. That's always a dangerous situation in my mind. You know, and it's so easy to go, oh, 49ers look great. The Patriots look terrible. And that, you know, that's just you put it two and two together. But there is there's an emotional part of playing football. It's the same reason the bulletin board material is so deadly yep. because you're you're everybody's at this point tired and beat up and you're injured and you're hurt and you can barely practice. And if somebody, you know, calls you a name in the newspaper, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. Or if you get blown out the week mm -hmm. before, or Belichick's been yelling at you the whole week, it tends to swing the tide some. Yeah. So I, two, at two, I kind of like the Pats. There you go. As uh, much as I love the, I love my Niners, Jason yeah. Brett's playing great. 
yeah. Boy, he is playing great. Man. When they get Richard back over there, they're going to be – they could be really oh, good. they got to beat just, the Patriots, though. The Patriots is like the easiest team in the, the rest the next of their – five, yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, Seattle at Arizona. Kyler Murray owns – I was reading a headline today that it's no longer Jerry World, it's Kerry World or, or Kyler, Kyler World. World down there, you know. So uh, that, that was – it was – a big score, but was it an impressive performance by Kyler Murray? My take is no. The Dallas Cowboys gifted them that win. Zeke literally handed them that yeah. win with his two fumbles. And I have a couple of data points for you here. Kyler Murray, um, great on the ground, highest PFF rushing grade for a quarterback. But he's 14th in PFF grade from a clean pocket. They're just 15th in per play passing efficiency. And we know what Seattle brings to the table. So um, this is Arizona favored by, or sorry, an under three point underdog on DraftKings, And I think it's a little bit of a, okay, Seattle coming off a bye. They're lighting the world on fire with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Arizona, not as good as they looked against a Cowboys team that laid down. You know, it, it, it's, it's just hard to imagine shutting down the deep passing game of mm -hmm. Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf for the whole game. I mean, at some point, one guy has to cover that monster, and Russell's going to throw it 18 miles in the air, and he's going to catch it. I mean, Stephon Gilmore, he's, would you say he's the best corner in the league? He certainly was last year. Yeah, and he, he couldn't handle DK Metcalf. That game against Minnesota, you go, if you had told Mike Zimmer, hey, you have to stop him on two fourth downs, you think you can do it? He'd be like, yeah. Of course, DK Metcalf goes and completes two different fourth downs to win that game. Who does? So here's a question: I have a comp for DK Metcalf that I think is really good. I'm curious who yours would be. You've seen because you've seen Seattle now. You've seen DK. Who Calvin's about as close as you get, Julio. I mean, you got to go hmm. in that category. I, what about Terrell Owens? Terrell Owens is a good one. After, here, here's the thing: I always thought about those guys is that. Everybody wants to make it out to be what the 40-yard dash time is, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a tall guy. Those are tall receivers. I get it. So they never have the fastest times. Why? Because the 40-yard dash is all about the first 10 yards. I mean, if you can get out of your stance, mm -hmm. then you can go 40 yards, right? I mean, think of the lightning bolt in the, in the Olympics. Yep. Usain Bolt, when, I mean, how many times did he ever win the, at 50 yards? Never. You know, but when those big guys Start can going. get the train rolling – you know, if you time them in the 40 between the 20 and the 60, I bet you they would be running like ungodly numbers, you know, yeah, with, with that point. thing. And, and, and when you have to be fast is at about 30 to 35 yards. That's when you go by people. So how you start has nothing to do with playing wide receiver. It's all about changing speeds. And when you hit that, when you hit the Jets, then how fast are you when you're running and you're full speed? And now what's that next gear? That's a good point. I mean, there's a reason he leads the league in yards on 20 plus yard throws. So I'm, I, I am lining up to redeem myself for the Cowboys pick yes. by fading the Arizona Cardinals this week. You know, the, the flip side of what we just talked about too, sometimes teams that have a huge win uh -huh. on national television all week long, people are patting you on the back, telling you how great you are, how we're going to the Super Bowl, and all of us, you know, and, and you know, Seattle's going, uh, not, sure about that. Uh, not so fast, my friend. Not so fast. There we go. Chicago at the LA Rams. How about them Bears? You know, for all that you want to talk about with 
offensive football. And everybody, you know, we love Nick Foles. We love all the different things. But this defense is playing like a beast right now. They made Brady the, the same the same team on Thursday night that looked so good against the Green Bay Packers in yep. Tampa. They couldn't do much of anything against the Bears. I would say, and I'm curious, I'll be really curious to hear after you watch the Bucks, because I think the Bucks are the best defense in the NFL, but the Bears are probably right there with them. Um, and I, you know, the Rams have only beaten an NFC East team. And they're five and a half point favorites on DraftKings right now. So on Monday Night Football, I keep thinking about those Sunday night games we did where the, the Bears defense just locked Jared Goff in a box. And I was not, I mean, were you impressed with Goff on Sunday night? I was not just unimpressed. I was like, oh man, maybe they haven't changed that much. He was missing throws downfield. It was not pretty. They had just some weird plays. They had some weird throwing angles. Those deep ones down the middle were, you know, Cup had to flip around the other mm -hmm. side. The one that I, I couldn't understand, though, was that deep over that was such a layup. They Honestly, when we were interviewing those two teams, I, if, if I made a bet, yeah. which I didn't, but if I had, I would have bet San Francisco because it was the emotion of it. It was like, you know, the Rams were feeling really good about themselves, and they should have. They were playing great. Their offense was – even when they got beat was against Buffalo. Right. And, and, but, but you they know, came they, back. they came back yeah. and they were roaring back after being down by like 28 to three mm -hmm. or 24 to three, whatever it was. But they were really, really confident. They had stuff figured out. Aaron Donald was terrorizing Tearing the world, up, yeah. but they were terrorizing the NFC East. And so that's the question, right? Now we got to see what are you going to do when you step in and, and the Bears have at least proven defensively they can hang with anybody. Yeah. I, and I would say this too, like the, um, the San Francisco 49ers defense was a lot more intact in that game against the Rams. And I would expect an intact defense for the Bears here. So um, I, I think there's a little, still too much love on the Rams at five and a half if I had to make a, make a call right now. Though, I, you know, both these teams have things to prove. Like Nick Foles, he's 25th in PFF grade right now. It hasn't been beautiful for him. All I know is the Rams, what the 49ers went through last They're week. They're going through that now. They're going through that right now. Yeah. And it, it's like a wake-up call. I swear it is. It's like I remember in Cincinnati we had gone on some five-game winning streaks, I think a couple of times during my career. And you just start thinking that nothing can go wrong. Like we just we own this, man. We should go two minute every second because we're so hot on Can't offense. Be stopped. And then you just get whammed. I mean, it's just like a reality check. Somebody comes up with a plan and they go get you. They do. Um, can I get your? I want one. Want to go over one more game real quick? Pittsburgh, Tennessee. You haven't watched either of these teams yet. Right? I've seen a little bit of them. I, I watched the entire Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. Okay. Mostly because I came out pretty strong on Pittsburgh yes. the last time. Um, and, and I think Pittsburgh's offense is starting to catch up a little bit to their defense. But that defense is scary good. Mm -hmm. I mean, scary good. And um, yeah, But Derrick Henry has just been – the, the force, I mean, it's always the great equalizer, especially uh, for Tannehill, that if, if you can, if you're throwing play action stuff all day and and he's running for 200 yards, mm -hmm. I mean, defensively, what do you do? I mean, you got, as a receiver, I, I prayed that somebody played either man coverage or cover three, single yeah. high safety, 
because there's you could just you own that you know it's like yep. you can't beat that you should not be in the National Football League and Derrick Henry forces everybody to either play band coverage or cover three that's the yep. only things that you can play against that yeah Pittsburgh is a two-point favorite in Tennessee I watched that Cleveland game again too we love the Steelers I went to the wedding. I told everybody I made a bigger bet in mind or, you know, felt more strongly about anything than I do about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank God they won. I would look like an <laughs> idiot. Um, but I wasn't impressed with their offense. So I'm not I'm not saying I might I might jump off the bandwagon. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, how can you not be impressed with Tennessee? So, I mean, you know, the, Tannehill's played well. He's played really well. I mean, he's 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 had a lot to do with some of these comebacks. I mean, they've had leads, they lose leads, and he comes back. He's got to make plays. He, he was the reason they were up in that Houston game. He's the only he's the highest graded quarterback uh, since he returned from the the COVID thing. So, so it's interesting. There you go. All right, George, appreciate you. Did I make any picks? I don't think I made any picks this time. You just said no Cowboys. There you go. No Cowboys. Whoever the Cowboys are playing or not playing, even if they're on a It's the football team. I'm I'm taking the under. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) That's it. All right. See you next week.